Hello, and welcome on yet another episode of The Accelerometer. Today, we have James, who is a YC alumni, and I'm really excited to have James on. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're currently working on. Okay, is this, uh, maybe I should ask, wh- what is this? <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> like startups. Is this? Where are we? <laughs> so are we going over what startup we're working on, just startup stuff in general? Just life. Life? Okay. Yeah. Because I've done a lot of startups. I've also done yeah. YC twice. So like we could we just you did talk like about open random shit. robotics, right? That's what I'm currently doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's also what you're doing as well, right? Yeah. Not robots though. I mean, right, kind right. of robots, <laughs> but they're purely digital robots. Yeah. So the benefit of like open source robots is people need to pay for robots. So even if it's off the shelf parts, like they can't do it their own. So you can make the software really cheap or free, and it's still no one's gonna copy you because they still need to get the robots. So like the uh, robot Linux. Yeah, so it's uh, I think it's a pretty good way of making money because because yeah. no matter what you have to pay for a robot. Yeah. Do you have community members working with your open source software? No, I mean we're our company's like eight months old, so this is yeah. It's like me and half of another employee. You care if you have community <laughs> members? At some point, yeah, because what happens is we have a bunch of people who want slightly different things, uh, and we don't have the time to modify it for their what they want. So it's yeah. it basically it's like a sorting machine for like kind of general purpose sorting, but like the, it's mostly yeah. for like right now contact lenses and optometry stores, and then some people are like I want to turn into a vending machine or I want to turn into like this other thing, and so that yeah. is the part where it's interesting if they uh, either like a contact lens vending machine, yeah, which like depending on the country is legal or has to work a certain way to be legal, so like. Yeah. Rather than us having to do it for each specific one, it's much easier if they either band together and hire someone or like they're the ones modifying it. In which countries is it legal? South Korea. That was, that was the, the, the one that's we it. heard. <laughs> uh, I think, oh, uh, Germany too. There, there's like a few, it, it's basically almost all the ones outside the US. Can you get like, so like assuming like it checks if you have a prescription, can you just like get it to say like whatever contact lens you want, you get a prescription for? Uh, so yeah, basically in the U.S. at least, the doctor needs to be in the loop all the way to the, like, you receiving it in your hand. So, like, yeah. you could make it work, but, like, you have to, you would have to go up to a vending machine, and then it, like, calls a doctor, and then the doctor, like, on the spot approves it, or, like, pre-approves it, and then when, like, oh, that's for sure my patient, and then, then you can receive whatever prescriptions in there, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you But, again, this isn't, like, done, so, like, there's a lot yeah. of questions when someone does this type of thing. I could get those laser contact lenses that... You know, change colors in the sunlight, shoot lasers at night. So, like, in South Korea, they really like the colored lenses. Like, yeah. make your eyes blue or, like, a cat yeah. or red or whatever. Do you wear contacts? I don't even need them, no. Have you ever <laughs> worn contacts? No. <laughs> I have one eye that needs stuff, so I was debating a monocle, but that that's the closest. A monocle contact lens? Uh, Yeah, or just a, I think a monocle would look cooler. Don't you got to, like, dog food, though, your product? Yeah, I mean, it's more fun to play with the robot part than the... the uh, again, you have to be a doctor to do yeah. contacts, so it's not like I could personally do that. Have you thought about going to medical school? Uh, no, never. I mean, like, <laughs> you, you, you got a dog with the product somehow. <laughs> I enjoy the sorting the robot part of it, so that that's yeah. fun to me. But there, there are people on our team who are involved. Like, one of the people on our team is like runs an optometry store so that's yeah. where it's interesting for him so you we can, we hired well he's not a doctor is he <laughs> he was actually our first customer and now he's yeah. like slightly involved in the company oh that's really wonderful yeah so that that helps how a lot. did that conversation <laughs> go 
we installed it in his store and then uh, like a few days after while fixing it in his store, we were like, do you want to be more involved? <laughs> okay. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> so it's very easy, actually. Does that happen with most of the customers? I mean, again, we're super early, so yeah. there's very few like trial customers at this point, but uh, potentially, I guess we'll see. Like, Obviously, the ones willing to let a very small company install a robot in your busy Manhattan store, like there's yeah. a very small number of those type of people. What's the most uh, challenging part about running a hardware company? Uh, it's uh, the supply chain is the most, like, honestly, you look at every robot company around New York, you see all these like robot arms and everyone's just buying them from the, yeah. some random Chinese company and they're getting gouged. Like their price is so extremely high. Usually it's like 40 K or higher. Um, if you can get the supply chain down, like the, and build everything from scratch, you can get really, really low. Yeah. Like we're selling the robot for 12,000. So it's yeah. already like a quarter of what these like arms are. But the arms look pretty cool. There's one over here that does, uh, it's called Robert Fried Chicken. They'll like deep fried chicken for you. So that's pretty fun. And where's Robert involved? I guess it's the name of the arm. <laughs> the arm's name is Robert. Yeah. I guess because Robot Fried Chicken's like a adult swim show. So maybe they couldn't, couldn't uh, call that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a How coffee do you think shop. How robot feels about that? Uh, I don't think it has feelings. That's why it's really good at frying chicken, cause, cause it can get into really hot oil. You think it would be unhappy about frying chicken if it had feelings? If it had googly eyes, I think people would empathize with it more than they probably should. Yeah. More than they should. Yeah. <laughs> you think people would go there and stop it from <laughs> frying chicken? I think they would feel bad that it's frying like 120 per hour or something without a break. Have you ever put googly eyes on any of your robots? Uh no, honestly, it's so easy to anthropomorphize a robot that no, we have not. <laughs> but when you're at an optometry conference, there's eyeballs everywhere. Like that's what they really like for swag. So it's sort of you might accidentally get what, an like eye there. replaceable eyeballs. There's stress eyeballs, yo-yo eyeballs, mouse pad eyeballs. So. Mouse pad eyeballs. Yeah, there's eyes. You mean a, a mouse pad in the shape of an eyeball, not like an eyeball that doubles as a mouse pad. I think a mouse, it's a bunch of eyes on top of a, printed on a mouse pad. Okay, printed on the mouse pad, not like surrounding it. Like no, no. Some creepy <laughs> middle school art project. There was a really creepy uh, balloon made of eyeballs that's like six feet high at the conference. I don't know what they were okay. selling, but I just took photos of the yeah. <laughs> balloon. <laughs> Caught my eye, so there you go. Uh, well, that was a wonderful pun. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> There's a lot of them at the show. <laughs> yeah. What would you yeah. say is the most rewarding aspect of building in the open source? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool because people, people want to help you when they see that, you know, whatever they put in for, because it'll be unpaid or free or helping their own business, that, that it stays free and open for them. So there, there's a benefit to that. And they're also, they feel closer to building alongside with you. So I, I yeah. think it's similar to like, you know, Kickstarter is probably not really popular anymore, but the, the idea of like building with people, I think, People really like that because they don't know how to do it. Like, is someone going to help them? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to help them? Yeah, we're trying. We're. It's uh, oh, wonderful. Talking with them every day. Like, I'll I'll walk to their uh, their places very close to my apartment, so I'll just I'll walk there every day. Yeah. yeah. Your your clients are close Customer. to your apartment. Yeah. Two okay. of them. Yeah. Both within a twenty minute walk. So, so this is like <laughs> your niche. Your niche is optometry clinics within walking distance of your apartment. Yeah, which, you know, 
if you, even if you do a 30 minute walk, that's actually more optometry stores than you would think in Manhattan. <laughs> I, I that's not imagine. on purpose though. That, like obviously we're, we're willing to help anyone. We were, t- we're talking to people in, in every major city. Texas, have, have you LA. considered like expanding along like the L? Uh, <laughs> funny enough, the first one is on the L. Uh, so that would, that would work out if so. But, uh, right now it's, it's, a very specific type of optometrist who would want to use this. So, what type of optometrist is that? It's typically someone who's run it for less than two to four years, so they're they're willing to be open to something weird and new, like like a yeah. <laughs> robot. Uh, also, if they're like about to expand or have expanded, that that's another big part. How did you fall on this niche? Yeah, I mean, it could go back to like my first startup, really. It's just piling. But I'd basically, love to hear that story. I mean, this is like super long. <laughs> so, like, but, but I'll, I'll say, at least for this optometry thing, I basically at one point met up with my co founder, who's like a genius at robotics. And I'm, I'm pretty decent at software stuff and building companies. And uh, we met up in Shanghai during COVID. Um, and we kept getting dinner. And we both kind of had this idea for a sorting machine. And so, my previous company was in logistics, where you kind of have to like sort stuff on like racks and warehouses. He was uh, coming at it from like a 3D printer, like automating lab company. That was his last one. And so he had this idea of like, could you sort like any kind of general purpose thing? And then we started talking to different industries around Manhattan. So we went yeah. to like a jewelry store and we're like, you know, valuable items, maybe they get worried if they get lost. And like, they were not that interested, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, then we went to like, uh, I thought warehouses would be a great one because that was my background, but yeah. turn, you know they don't really have money. So like, unless this is helping them get revenue, they don't really care. Um, and then uh, my co-founder hit upon the optometry store, and uh, he was showing us his back room, which we had never seen before either of us. And it had like thousands of these contact trials, they call them. Um, yeah. And they're like, yeah, these are expensive. We have like high-paid people who have to deal with them, so. You know, if, if a robot just did that for us, that would actually be much cheaper and just save a lot of time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, you're a CISPA that worked. What's a CISPA? A solution in search of a problem. Uh, I mean, we didn't do anything yet. Okay. <laughs> this was an idea. So, as long we as you don't build it. it. Yeah, yeah, because that could take, you know, we. <laughs> it's a solution. I've already idea done that many in times. In search of a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'd, idea. Yeah, we definitely like sold it. We, like basically, this yeah. guy agreed to buy it if we built it, and then we started building. We, we yeah. definitely didn't do any building until that point. So you have a prototype right now. We have like five of them. Yeah. Where do you keep them? There's a warehouse in Newark. There's a store <laughs> which has you know the prototype. Yeah. Uh, there's one in transit from the. Uh, we were just in a Las Vegas conference, so it's somewhere on a truck on the way back to New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully so, it so you took lost. it to the conference, or like you built it at the conference in we, front of people in the open. Uh, the yeah, first thing to do. We right? did build it the first day of the conference, which honestly, we probably cost us a few people who could have been interested, but we yeah. didn't have enough time. We didn't have enough new robots, so we had a frame of a robot. We shipped it, and then we brought all the things that go inside, and then we spent the next basically the first six eight hours of that conference building it and making sure it didn't like you know it worked. So that just. Yeah, really uh, took a lot of work. Yeah, I don't think it was the best solution, but we just had limited robots at the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go back a little bit to Y Combinator. Sure. How was your experience? Uh, do you like that question? I, no, I do because I remember what it was like to want to be in Y Combinator and being like, "What was it like? Like, what, yeah. did you meet everyone? Did you meet Paul Graham? Did you meet Jessica Lewis? Like, right? and then you just know all the names and stuff." Yeah. 
uh, and then you Google people who wrote about their time there, and I wrote about it, and every six months I get a spike in traffic from people Googling and finding my like little blog about it. So You wrote, you have a blog. I do, yeah. Yeah. Mostly about the random You still stuff. write for your blog? Every two weeks since 2018. I That's commitment. Wrote. Yeah. I'm going to end it in a year, probably, yeah. I, like, pre-wrote the last 20 or whatever, and then... Why is that? Uh, turns out people don't read blogs, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's like writing a book. This is like why who? we're doing a podcast. So, yeah, no one writes... If you... Yeah, you can get way... I did... I didn't use social media till earlier this year, and I've had, like, a hundred times as many views and interaction from, like, Twitter or uh, TikTok than ever my entire four-year, five years of blogging. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's cathartic, right, writing the blog? It's a good way to get your thoughts together, yeah. Also, yeah. when I started that blog, I was, like, severely in debt, and so it kind of... Sh- I think it's kind of rare to see someone who, like, has negative lots of money to having a decent amount of money and has sold some companies like to see that progression in writing i think is very interesting yeah. i don't see that often how did your writing change you're like i i, <laughs> I love seeing my own writing <laughs> no what's weird i mean what's weird is a lot of yeah it didn't really change but i i think there's something to the thing is if you listen to a, a wealthy successful person write, you don't know if that's what they actually were like when they started or not. So you're like skipping all the steps. So I think it's interesting to have like, to find people who are honest and like, what is it they were actually thinking when they had no money? Did that help them somehow like write a, create a company or do whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it helped you? Uh, It helped uh, point what it is you want in life. And like, it it makes you more sure of certain things and and formulate your thoughts, which can be helpful in different ways. What did you want out of life? Uh, just, uh, just random ideas just to build them, hacking on stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You just wanted to be a hacker. There's, there's like a specific list of random ideas. And yeah. so it's, it's not like, I, I really don't like people who try to be, I don't like titles in general. Yeah. I want to be a hacker. I want to be a writer. I just think it's, what is it you're actually putting effort into? So, yeah. so just making those things makes me happy. And so that was, uh, just writing them all out was cathartic because it seemed like when I was like 20 that like, there was like a million things I wanted to do. It's, it's much easier to write everything out and realize there's only a hundred things I want to do. Even that's like less than you would think. Yeah. Yeah. Which ideas do you still want to do that you haven't had a chance yet? Um, I think, it, I mean, there, it's all over the place. Like, yeah. I would love to make a new, <laughs> I mean, it can get really weird or not. Like, there's like a, I want to make this, I have this idea for like a 28 hour day. <laughs> So you, like, remove a day from the week. So you have, like, yeah. six days. And then you add four hours to the other six days of the week. Yeah. And then you basically every day is four hours longer. So, like, your work day is four days of ten hours instead of five days of eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. This and is then like, you're just really sleepy one day. Well, no, then you fall asleep quicker, right, because you're really tired. Yeah. And then your weekend is two 20-hour days, so it's 56 hours, so that's pretty yeah. nice. It just seems, I don't, know, I don't know if this is a startup or just sort of a vague idea. Yeah, how would you turn a this into one. a startup? I would just make a clock <laughs> and go from there. Not everything okay. should turn into a startup. Some things yeah. should, some things shouldn't. But the point is you put the idea out and see what, what the reaction is. Yeah. Yeah. Is this one of the blog posts? No. Okay. <laughs> what is the blog about? Blog was, it was, ran, it was just random thoughts of like, here's a pattern of, of what I've seen, like... Uh, uh, I'm 
trying to think of a good... It, it was just random things. Like, for a while, I was living out of my uh, car for a bit. I thought it was just fun to write about. And, like, yeah. I had, like, 200 items. I saw there was, like, a subreddit, like, 100 items or less, and I didn't want to throw out half my stuff. So I was just like, Is yeah. it, here's all the things I own. It happens to be 200 by coincidence. So, like, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting to write about. You you happen to have 200 <laughs> things. I think it was 199, something like that, yeah. Okay. I feel like some of these <laughs> things, like, could have been, like, broken down into more things. What do you mean? Oh, like, like, like two it, socks. Is that one item or two? Yeah. I forget wh- how I counted it, but okay. you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the MacBook with the charger. Like, did the charger, was I, that included? I think it was one item, yeah. Yeah. And I think the pair of socks was also one item. Okay. So let's say 500 tops. Yeah, if you have like a bowl <laughs> of popcorn, is each kernel an item? If the socks rip in half, is that more items? I think this is one of the most <laughs> fundamental questions of life. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't I don't know how many items do you have? Too many items. Yeah, I mean even some <laughs> some days I feel like a hoarder too. I've got items on multiple continents. Like, it's gotten to the point where just, like, getting rid of things is actually a challenge. You need to be in one location <laughs> to get rid of something. How many continents is your stuff on? It's, you know, it's in Europe and it's in America. Okay. So it's two? The two I, continents. Three <laughs> cities, two continents. <laughs> actually, at one point, I did buy a lot of things, and I left it some in an apartment in China and then half in my apartment at Hong Kong and a storage unit here in New York. Yeah. And then in China, a construction crew stole it all. And then in Hong Kong, it got robbed. Someone broke into the apartment. So yeah. I actually lost two. It was actually much easier because it was taken rather than having to throw it out. It, it's yeah. much more convenient than having to throw it out yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, in some ways, I was therapeutic. In some ways, very annoying because I didn't want that stolen, some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But now, like, do you miss it, the stuff? Uh no, I did film some stuff that I kind of wanted to uh, back up. That was uh, yeah, that was annoying. Yeah, so I think the moral of the story is, uh, don't have stuff. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for coming sure. on the podcast. Sure, man. Yeah, it was really lovely. Yeah.